People deluded, I'm back again. Good morning and I hope you're all doing well and safe. And matter of fact, welcome back to another edition of the DG podcast, the deluded podcast, the really and truly podcast. Every day I see you lot give it a good name or a new name, better yet. Um, Whatever it is, I'm just happy you're viewing, you know, whether you're listening on Spotify, whether you're listening on Apple Music, this typically comes out on YouTube a bit later. So some of you might be listening on that. Just make sure you're aware of all the content. And obviously, typically Monday slash Tuesday and a Friday we do two editions of the DG podcast obviously with it they're not well there is things to talk about but as you don't know the season's a bit a bit of a madness the postseason's a bit of a madness so I've had to do this a bit ad hoc so we're going to primarily focus around the Euros today Euro 2020 or unofficially Euro 2021 um, I think it's thrown up some interesting talking points I think or I would say the first thing for me would actually be the use of what I call anyways throwback strikers, like it felt like Turkey tried to use that. What I mean by that is the 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 guy who will work the channels, the guy who will make that run on the last man, that guy who, you know, will win the first ball, knock it down for his players. I think Holland have tried to do that, Turkey have tried to do that, um, Wales with more did that. Um I think Ukraine also did it, Russia did it, if I haven't said them already. Um Quite a few people, quite a few people have tried to do the throwback number nine thing. And that's that. I do think some of the refereeing decisions have been poor. One of the best refereeing performances I saw was in the Denmark versus Finland game, where obviously we saw what happened with Ericsson. Credit to everybody involved for reacting quickly. I think it's a bloody disgrace that UEFA, you're hearing out UEFA threatened Denmark with potentially in the tie 3-0. Now, I understand that bad things happen in life and life has to go on and the game had to be prepared, but this is what I'm talking about. There is no duty of care for these players. They they treat these footballers like guinea pigs physically. There's a whole lot of games in the fixture calendar. There's a lot of pointless friendlies. They don't, they don't really care. And also, they don't care about their mental health, you know. Everybody looked visibly disturbed with their Ericsson scenes, you know. Obviously, you know, you know, BBC or the broadcasters, whoever has a TV rights, have a duty of care. If I came out there and if I actually said free Palestine, not that I want to use that as an example and trivialise things, but if I said free Palestine or Black Lives Matters or some sort of political statement that people may or may not have agreed with, they would have cut that broadcasting or switched to something ASAP. So when you see someone physically in pain and it's very disturbing, bearing in mind there's clearly kids, there could be his kids or his family members, what's going on? Credit to Denmark, Casper Michael. Kajer, the captain and everybody involved but they shouldn't have to be human shields to save Ericsson um, from that you know the beautiful thing is you're seeing Ericsson actually today upload on Instagram he's I don't want to say he's good because I don't know if he's going to keep playing foot if he's going to start playing football but he's got his health he's alive you know technically we lost him he had a cardiac arrest and credit to everybody for moving quickly involved from the medical staff to the ref to the fellow players but as I said hopefully well it ain't now everybody's going to see what I, you know, I've been saying this for ages and people said I'm a moaner. I said there's no duty of care physically or mentally for these footballers. Sure, when incidences like this happen, we're going to say stuff, but it's going to go back to zero. It's going to go back to nonsense and sad to say, but there's going to be, you know, if it's not this, someone's going to faint on the pitch and things like that, um, you know. And it's sad that this is probably the main talking point in the in the Euros. And it was visibly disturbing because I was watching the game to see him collapse. Nobody really knew what was going on. Um, you would imagine broadcasters would have 
things in place for this because again i'm not someone who believes in hiding things from people i did it's not that i didn't mind looking at it because obviously no one wants to see that but i just think in life you can't hide things but at the same time there's children young children watching things these things stay with people for life like the players and i think shout out to both sets of players for continuing but you know mentally them things there that's not gonna leave them that's gonna stay with every one of those players and everybody involved for life and it's upsetting that more could have been done um and you just listen to Casper Smichael speak. He said, we were put in a position which I personally don't think we should have been put in. It probably required someone, it re probably required that someone above us had said that it was not the time to make a decision and maybe should wait for the next day. So again, maybe he's placing at the feet of the Denmark FA or the chairman or someone. It isn't It isn't fair on these players. You know, they've performed, they're athletes in that, but they're performers. How can they perform? How can both sets of teams perform better where football is secondary with what's happened, people. The game went on for what it's worth, but it's secondary. There needs to be a duty of care physically and mentally for these players, and it's up, it's appalling. Casper went on to say, we had two options. None of the options were good. We took the least bad one, added Braithwaite apologies. There were a lot of players that weren't able to play the match. They were elsewhere mentally. You could have wished for a third option in this situation. Exactly that, and it's upsetting, man. It's very upsetting, but, you know, crucially... Ericsson is on the men that is all that matters people but yeah in terms of the Euros from a footballing point of view let's be honest we're probably lacking in terms of quality there's been a lot of games played there's obviously been a lot of people are coming into this with knocks obviously the knock-on effects directly and indirectly over Covid may have played a part as to why we're potentially here and you know players are not in their you know we're not really seeing players in their best performances I wouldn't say I've been impressed by anyone in these Euros so far like I said I'm seeing a lot of throwback number nine if anyone's impressed me it's a team that's actually lost they lost 3-2 to Holland Netherlands better yet Ukraine I was very impressed with Chenko's side everyone wanted the ball they played good football obviously at this level you can't make mistakes to the capabilities they did and like Russia they need to improve in that regard but I think Shevchenko's men have shown me anything close to a DNA and a blueprint everybody else just doesn't look it's not that people are playing bad, it just there needs to be a bit better. And a lot, a lot of the games have been boring, a lot of the games have been sluggish. We ain't seen too many first half goals and whatnot, people. Turkey versus Italy, I think the not that the scoreline flatters Italy, the scoreline flatters the game because every goal came in the second half. And, you know, Turkey handing goals. Obviously, Insigne and Immobile capitalised on a Demiral home goal and they were able to claim a 3-0 victory. Now, that's good for Italy because Italy go and play Switzerland. Switzerland might be out of this competition, in my opinion, come then because they drew 1-1 with Switzerland. I mean, they drew 1-1 with Wales. Obviously, Embolo, who had a very decent game, um, you know, Gave, gave them the lead. Wales kept pressing and kept pressing and Moore scored. You know, Daniel James, I felt, had a better game than Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey, to be fair with you. Um, I did think Wales were hanging on in the first half and then they somewhat adjusted. And Bullo makes me think there's a player in there. You know, I did like Fuller, number eight of Switzerland, 29-year-old, plays for Atalanta, been around the block, done well. Apparently, he he said, Xhaka asked him about... Xhaka, I couldn't believe the forward passes I was seeing. Apparently, Xhaka's asked him about the roads in Italy. Make of that what you will, people. You know, Finland won 1-0 against Denmark in the restart again. 
football is secondary. Belgium had a decent game against Russia. They weren't really pressed. Two of those goals, the first two goals, in my opinion, for substitute Minier and before that, Lukaku were handed to them. You know, defending was poor. A lot of people say Lukaku's offside. He is, but the rules have changed. The, the centre-half has touched the ball, so like Lukaku's in. Lukaku's off with, you know, Lukaku and Schlick are the ones laughing right now because they're competing for the golden boot. You know, Lukaku, brace for Lukaku. Substitute Thomas Munir had a very good game for me. But apart from that... You know, Russia, they just kept trying to hit their striker and it just wasn't working. Dubulza, like he's, you know, he's 32. He worked hard. He's coming off the back of a good, of a big season, but you could see see he's got tired. Um, Zerkov as well. It just it, it felt like they didn't have the legs. I do think Boyata, when the time gets more tougher, I do, he made a couple of good blocks, but I think he might potentially be a weak link for Belgium. Um you know, I don't think Belgium did enough on the right-hand side before Munir came on, really. I wasn't impressed with Mertens. I think Carrasco huffed and puffed. I think Forgan Hazard was decent. I actually think Telemans played quite poor. He losing the ball unnecessarily and a lot of that. I can't lie, Belgium looked a bit lax because they knew they didn't have to do much. But they're definitely one of the better performers. You know, Golovin had a couple of occasions, but he hardly took this game to Belgium and seized the moment. Shocker, obviously, England won 1-0 against Croatia. Raheem Sterling, who many people questioned why is he starting, scored in the 57th minute. It was a good performance from everyone. You know, I'm... I still have question marks from South, about Southgate, you know. I still don't think he's quite the manager. I still have questions about him tactically. But you have to give credit where due. All of these questions, at least where, where Croatia's concerned, he answered them. You know, we all said, why isn't Shaw or Chilwell playing left-back? I still agree that a left-back should be playing at left-back. But Trippier had a decent performance. Um, Tyrell Mings think he's going to get found out at this level. There was a couple of shaky moments that we got away with in this game, but Tyrone Ming stood up to be counted. John Stone stood up to be counted. Pickford's distribution might cost us, but he stood up to be counted. Kevin Phillip, Calvin Phillips, sorry, very good game in the middle of the park for England. Declan Rice to say, Mason Mount buzzing like a bumblebee from start to finish. Foden hit the post, and I think Foden's performance before he got subbed kind of flattened out, but he did all right. Raheem Sterling and Mason Mount down that left-hand side connected very well Sterling had a good game you know obviously Kane I don't know if Kane mentally you know obviously he's heard the stuff with Ericsson I don't want to speculate I don't know if if if, if Kane was all the way there but I think Kane was below par I don't think we was getting people around him and he didn't have much service but I just don't think he was doing good enough with what he had you know it's clearly not the Croatia you know it's not fair to England because people were saying Croatia you know football in pedigree blah 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 suddenly they've won they've lost sorry and it's like oh it's not the team from three years ago which is true but that's not England's fault, in it? And they still had Luka Modric. They still had Brozovic. They still had Kovacic. They still had Rebic. They still had Perisic. You know, they huffed and puffed early on, but we showed them what we're on and we've given ourselves a good platform. It would be England to drop points against um, Scotland and Scotland obviously lost their game, you know, against Czech Republic. So they're going to want to say something. But we've put ourselves in a good, a good place, people. Ironically, finishing second place in this group might be the best thing, but I don't want to. Um, I didn't watch Austria versus Macedonia apart from the highlights. And obviously, shout out to Pandev, Oldham, but Golden scored for Macedonia. And Altovic and um, Goret Goretis, I can't say his name, but he used to play for Hoffenheim with, on loan with Reese Nelson. Um, here, you know... Austria were never in doubt, you know. Macedonia briefly equalised before two late goals obviously confirmed it for Russia, for, for Austria um, against Macedonia. Obviously, the game was marred by political sort of stuff from Anatovic. Obviously, celebration has drawn a lot of 
problems and apparently he got into a lot of problems with Alioski. Um, you could all see the scenes of Alabuff putting his hand over his mouth and telling him to shut up. Um, so again, I'm really ignorant on that aspect. But again, you can see why there's no place for such. Um, but yeah, Austria won three goals to one. Holland won three goals to two. In terms of entertainment, Ukraine versus Holland, probably the best game. You know, I did think Holland were presented two of them goals. You know, they were handed on a plate by Ukraine to them. Um, Yarmolenko, goal of this goal of their tournament camp, um, contender until we obviously saw Scotland versus Czech Republic. Um, dump fries, um, the fries, very good dump fries, very good in, in, in the first half in particular for Holland and one of the better performance, ultimately scored the winner, but for a fullback, he scored five minutes from time. He actually could have had a lot more, in my opinion. Um, it was a good game, you know, for, for, for Ukraine. They fought back at one point. They were 2-0 down. Expertly got themselves back in the game with a terrific effort from Yarmolenko. And Yarmachuk, you know, that was a terrific set piece that he, he was able to make convert home. You know, you look at it, Ukraine had seven shots, five on target. You know, Holland had 15 shots, seven on target. And I think, you know, Depay played well. You know, um, the the young played well. Wijnaldum played well. You know, they did play well. But on another day, you know, you don't get out. You don't. Your blushes aren't spared, courtesy of Akn Dumfries. Um, um, five minutes before time, and you win the game. You know, you have to be better. When I look at Holland, when I look at Belgium, when I look at Spain, even though they drew, when I look at Italy, it's not that they were bad. But again. You're sitting here and I've been doing the watch-alongs and I hope you're all looking at the watch-alongs. Make sure you're there for Hungary versus Portugal and France versus Germany today. It, you're just watching these games and you're just thinking, if you lot played each other, like if the top European teams at some point, which will happen, all played each other so far, I think you lot might be a couple goals down or might struggle against each other. So yeah, that's probably three. Holland three, Never Netherlands better yet, two, three, Ukraine two. That's probably the game of the tournament so far. Savlakia won two goals to one against Poland. You know, Szczesny unlucky on goal. Good strike from Skriniar, to be fair with you. Um, Litny of, of Poland, decent one as well. Um, yeah, man, I don't understand how that was a red card, but boy. And to be fair, Slovakia did it with 11 shots, two on target. Poland had 17 and three shots on target. So it's a game where both teams really lacking in that final third quality, but... Poland now need to win their next game or they're out. Slovakia have given themselves a great platform. Now, we know what we're getting with Spain. They're going to pass you to death. Now, it's not quite the Spanish side of prime ticker-tacker. You can see that with the level of player. Like, they've still got quality players, but, you know, none, none quite strike fear into you. Like how seeing Xavi, Iniesta, Xavi Alonso, Sergio Ramos in his prime, PK in his prime. You know, you get it, people. Several targets. You know, they did play. There were some players that played well. The young Pedri, I think he announced himself on the international stage once again very well. I think Almo, Dani Almo did well. I think Paul Torres and Laporte, the two left, you know, they started with two left-footed centre-backs. <coughs> Arteta, there's no issue with it. Alba was probably, like Robertson for Scotland, Alba was their captain and went forward the most for them. And I think Alba could have probably scored himself. Colke did well. I think Rodri was kind of under par for me. I think Ferran Torres was anonymous. I think Morata should have scored a brace, but again, he couldn't hit a barn door. He's about as useful as a chocolate teacup based on that game. Marcos Llorente playing as an inverted right-back did well. You know, Unai Simon wasn't put under pressure, but the two incidents he did, you saw he's shaky and he might cost Spain later on. You know, they're under no pressure, tipping it over his bar and things. You know, Isaac, I think a lot of people are overhyping the performance, but he did all right in patches. And as an Arsenal fan, you want him. You know, his shot that actually hit Marcus Alonso, Marcus um, Lorente, 
it's going off target. It's hit Marcus Lorente. It's clipped his left peg and hit the post. You know, at the end of the day, it's a better point for Sweden than it is for Spain. Don't get it twisted. I think initially Spain, I mean, Sweden, sorry, looked very nervous. You know, there was a couple of incidences where Morata should have scored, but eventually they grew into the game. They started to get out for large periods of the game. Obviously, they're in their own half. Like, like you would expect, but they rid their luck, they did well, they had chances of their own, and it's a better point for them, and for Spain, all you can say is wasteful, they barely create clear-cut chances, and when they did, very wasteful, very, you know, we all know with Spain, they're never going to have a plan B, and for me, what I'm seeing, maybe there was an air of comfortability, but what they do isn't bad, it's the pace they do it with, and like I said, not being able to switch it up is one is one thing, but can they up the intensity, you know, do things in less touches, you know, up, up play with a bit, play a bit faster, I don't know. Um, Moreno off the bench for me did more than Morata. Morata and Ferran Torres probably the most under par players from a Spanish point of view. But, you know, clean sheet against against the Spaniards, not bad for the Swedish. Um, so, yeah, man, I've, I don't think we've seen too many amazing games. Obviously, the Czech Republic defeated Scotland two goals to nil. Many of my Scottish supporters and viewers are very pessimistic if Scotland will actually bag. Scotland were poor, obviously missing Tierney. David Marshall saved Scotland nine times out of ten in that game. And, you know, big up the Swedish keeper as well, Olsen, because he's a big part as to why Sweden got signed out the game as well. I don't know how Lindelof got the official man of the match over him, but fair play. Back to Scotland versus Czech Republic, though, people. And as I said, David Marshall helped them a bit. But, you know, Scotland, I don't know whether it's nerves. I don't know whether it's complacency because it's the... I don't know if it's ability, you know, because it's the first competition in 20-odd years Scotland have participated in and many first time in many people's lifetime while while david marshall saved them i don't know why why is he out of his area it's a fantastic 50 yard strike from schlick and i think that's his first go outside the area in a couple of years but why is he there now you know obviously hendry's tried to shoot his cannon and there's been a counter attack but he shouldn't be off his line anyways there's really no need you know nine times out of ten many footballers won't attempt what happened many footballers and the, and the couple that would it wouldn't work but that one time he got buried in it and that's going to stay there for life. It's a fantastic strike. And like I said, Slick, he bagged two goals. He's one of those players where I just feel where the domestic game is concerned, he struggled. I don't really see, I haven't really seen a lot of the hype, but this is a competition to re-announce yourself potentially on the world stage. As I said, I just think the Scottish players bottled it, man. Handley tried, but he was lacking in ability. Cooper, overplaying. You know, it did look like when that stunner was scored, heads dropped in Scotland. I think Armstrong would have liked to have done a lot better. You know, Andy Robertson had a chance he probably should have scored. But anytime your left-back's the most creative in the team, there's an issue. O'Donnell isn't suited to a wing-back role and the 32-year-old is kind of past it. Scott, um, I was actually, John McGinn woke up in the second half, but he was actually poor, you know. McTominay was missing, you know, Armstrong was missing, Christie was about in little flutters but couldn't have any complaints about being subbed, Dykes who, again, like I'm saying with the throwback striker thing, they're trying to make him win the, win the first and seconds and first ball and nobody's trying to win the seconds, is it any coincidence you injected Trey Adams and there was a bit of a difference, um, I just think they were poor man, mentally I don't think the, Scot the Scottish side got themselves prepared for it man, and their loss is, is obviously... Czech Republic's game, man. I do think one thing you can admire about the Czech Republic is every player fancies themselves in the air. They were dominating, clearing aerial defensive headers and that. There was incidences Scotland should have exploited. You know, Dykes has to bag. He should have bagged. They should have at least scored. But so far, like I said, man, not, if I had to say really impressive, games I've I somewhat enjoyed. 
thought, I thought Holland versus Ukraine would be a classic. Is there anything close to a game we'll talk about 10 years from now? So I think the Holland game is one I think was decent. I didn't mind the Spain one. It was flat in, in, in short, but it wasn't boring to me. But I won't quite say them. I'd say, do you know what? I'd say Netherlands, Ukraine, England, Croatia. The second half of Turkey, Italy, to be fair. I didn't mind Wales versus Switzerland. It weren't the most boring. Belgium played decent football as one side as it was. But I'd probably say, what, Belgium, Russia at a push. Um, England, Croatia at a push. Sweden, Spain at a push. Undoubtedly, Holland versus Ukraine. So, yeah, man, hopefully we've got Hungary versus Portugal from 5pm UK time. And from 8pm UK time, France, Germany, where obviously group of death settings. Portugal, France, Germany is peak. Let's see what happens in that regards, people. Obviously, I wonder what's going on in the French camp. You've seen Mbappe and Giroud kind of go at it and things and say you shouldn't criticise players in the in the public and, and whatnot after Giroud's comments about not being passed to. We'll have to see, man, because everyone needs to sing from the same hing sheet to have half a chance, really, really and truly. Um, so we're, we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see what gets what gets thrown gets thrown up in that regards, man. But in terms of England, expecting a lot more, want to see a lot more from England and, and in the Euros in general, man. Hardly seen anything. Obviously... Shout out to Yarmolenko because, again, I've focused on Slick's banger from 50 yards. Yarmolenko, probably second best goal of the tournament. Fantastic strike against Holland. And he's unfortunate that literally his goal looks average compared to scoring from 50 yards. But, you know, it might be a, it might be the year the left footers, people, because they've done it. And I think them, them sort of regions, Czech Republic, Ukraine, uh, Slovakia in their own way, you know, these sort of regions, I think they've played the best, to be fair with you, in the Euro so far. Um, so it is what it is in that regards, people. Obviously, to go back over Arnautovic's thing, apparently Marko Arnautovic has insisted he is not a racist um, and apologised to the North Macedonia side after a heated clash on Sunday night's game. As you lot know, he obviously scored and there's been suggestions. Racist language was used during an exchange late in the game. He took to Instagram and said there were some heated words yesterday in the emotions of the game, for which I'd like to apologise, especially to my friends from North Macedonia and Albania. I would like to say one thing very clearly. I am not a racist. I have friends in almost every country and I stand for diversity. Everyone who knows me is aware of that. And I mean, I don't, I, did, I didn't watch the game apart from the highlights, so I can't really comment. But I mean, this, I mean, people tend to, it's like me saying I'm not a murderer after I've killed someone, you know. Again, you have to control your emotions. Emotions and most importantly, anger and all these things. It brings out real people's real opinions. Why do you think people say, watch your tongue? But anyways, people, Arnautovic scored Austria's third goal on Sunday in Sunday's game and celebrated. There have been claims on social media he used an anti-Albanian slur um, towards a player who is from who has Albanian background playing for North Macedonia. Apparently, he was then pictured in a, having a heated exchange with Leeds player Alioski. Um, Alioski is also of Albanian heritage and obviously Arnautovic is of Serbian. As you lot know, there is a historic tension between Serbia and Albania, while the same could potentially be said or allegedly be said for Serbia and North Macedonia so you know why there's issues in that regards um, in other news people obviously you all saw in the Belgium game Timothy Cassange had to be subbed apparently he should be fit for the new season however he will be missing what is left of Belgium's Euro 2020 obviously he suffered a fractured eye socket um, after a clash of heads with a, a Russian player and he's been you know it's unfortunate that the 25 year old is now ruled out it's a shame 
Um, apparently, Liverpool goalkeeper Adriana signed a new contract with Liverpool to extend his stay at Anfield. People, as you lot know, he is back up and the man himself has said, I am delighted. I'm very happy to stay at the club. Firstly, because it's a, reward, it's a reward from the club for the fine work that I've been doing since I signed two years ago. Wow. And I really appreciate the confidence from the club, from the manager and from everyone involved in that situation. And secondly, and above all, it is a privilege to stay in Liverpool. It's such a big club. But being as well a family club, it's very special for any player to stay here. I am privileged. You know, day in the life of a third choice keeper, it must be amazing, really and truly, people. So that's that in relation to a Euro. Anything I've got to say in relation to the Euros. I did have a couple of other things I wanted to speak about, people. Um, let me try and, and, and find them. Obviously, Tottenham Hotspur have confirmed the appointment of Fabio Pramricini as the club's managing director of football. Um, he's left a similar position from Juventus after 11 years there. He'll actually start his role um, on July the 1st, so a couple of weeks, but apparently he is helping with finding Spurs' new gaffer. And obviously you hear that they're linked with Paolo Fusheka, um, and he's been involved in that. And it wouldn't surprise me, you know, you've been working in Italy there's a manager who's been doing recent good work at Shakhtar and Roma and he's left his job for whatever reason. You can imagine why and you can imagine why his opinion might be sought. So I think it, I don't want to say it's too late to affect the, the, the transfer plans of what Spurs want to do. But, you know, it might be because you'd imagine the bulk of the summer deals that Spurs are going to do incomings and outgoings have been in the works for months. But you never know with it, with the Euros and not too many players involved want to sort out their futures. Maybe he sets in at the right time. I don't know, people, but nonetheless, if you're a Spurs fan, you've got a new managing director, people. Um, on Paolo Fischeca, apparently he's expected to sign a, a new a three-year deal, but nothing's been agreed yet between the two parties. Apparently, Nuno Espirito Santo is moving closer and closer and closer to completing a move to Everton and becoming their gaffer. Now, we've heard he's been linked with Spurs. Um, you know what he's been getting the Spurs role. He's been Nuno's been linked with a couple Spurs Palace. The Palace links were a bit bewildering if he was actually going to do that. Everton, I can understand it. You know, to be fair, if Everton can get into bed with the agents that have been working at Wolves, you know they could get some decent players, and it could be something that benefits that benefits them greatly, really and truly. So we'll have to see what happens in 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 that regards, man. Really. Really will. Should we look at some transfer news, folks? If there is any transfer news, very quickly. You know, there's nothing else to do. We might as well end it with that, really. Let's see what's going on. I mean, I know Arsenal have had a bid allegedly rejected for um, the young Belgium lad. But apart from that, who knows, man? But let's look, man. Apparently, Ronaldo, as Cristiano that is, has once again refused to rule out a move away from Juventus before his contract ends next year. He's been linked with Manchester United. Apparently, Raheem Sterling will hold talks with Manchester City after Euro 20 to discuss his future. He has no interest in being used in any move for Harry Kane. That also follows alleged links that Cancelo and Bernardo Silva are interested in Barcelona and they want Barcelona moves. You know, if Barcelona was to get Cancelo, that's a decent right back for them. Bernardo Silva is a Barcelona type player. No smoke without fire. I wonder why so many players, despite winning the league and being in the Champions League final, want to keep it moving from City. Do they think they're at the end of their cycle? A lot of those players are in their mid-20s. To You know, a couple are getting on a bit. Do they think there's other things they could be exploring in the game? You know, obviously a squad like City with all their players, it's an impossible task for Pep Guardiola to keep everybody happy. So is that is do some people want to keep it moving? 
Apparently, Jaden Sanjo expects to become a Manchester United player despite Borussia Dortmund rejecting a 67 bid for the 21-year-old. And they're holding out for 77 million with add-ons. Apparently, Chelsea are now the favourites to sign England and Aston Villa's Jack Grealish this summer as they look to beat both Manchester clubs to the 25-year-old signature. Manchester United are apparently among several clubs watching the Costa Rica and PSG goalkeeper Kalo Navas. You know what I mean? Man United, you got to sort out what you do with Dean Henderson and De Gea long-term, surely. No, Xhaka to, Xhaka to Roma is still persisting <clears throat> apparently Arsenal, West Ham, Crystal Palace and Everton are all interested in taking 30 year old Welsh midfielder and current Juventus midfielder Aaron Ramsey I think Arsenal should leave that Liverpool are interested in Brighton's German midfielder Pascal Gross not sure of that Neil Lennon's tipped Kiarantini to become a potential Manchester City player. To be fair, they need a fullback. Why not? Newcastle have added Joel Woolock. Well, they've on top of Joel Woolock, better yet, they've added Liverpool defender Nat Phillips to their list. And Burnley will compete. And to be fair, you know, out of nowhere, Liverpool could suddenly get ten million or so for him. It'd be decent. Le Leicester are expected to complete officially announce the signing of Samore. Rafael Varane looks set to leave Real Madrid with both PSG and Manchester United interested. James Tarkovsky is hoping to secure a summer move to West Ham. And apparently Everton are interested in sporting Lisbon's Matheus Nunes. He's quite a player. They should be interested in him, people. So that's that in relation to transfer news. So, yeah, we've touched on, you know, sadly the Ericsson thing and sadly Anatovic. We've had we've focused primarily on the Euros and we've ended with some transfer business. Premier League clubs have apparently, for the first time since 2019-20, people announced the loss in revenue. Obviously, that's probably with the COVID effect. So, it is what it is in that regard. There's actually not that much to talk about. Like I said, if you love this sort of content, make sure you're following me on YouTube for the rest of my content. By the time you're probably finishing listening to this or listening to it after, I probably would have gone live and streamed about Arsenal, about any footballing topics. And like I said, from 5pm UK time, Hungary versus Portugal. After that, France versus Germany. So watch alongs galore. Make sure you're there, people. Make sure you're supporting the content. Check out the DG merchandise as well. Links are in the description and all those sort of things more importantly than that please stay safe it's tuesday so i hope you're all moving closer towards any goals dreams hopes and aspirations you have regardless of who you are wherever you are whatever life is throwing at you in terms of your circumstances and however old you are at because you know you're, you're never too young to make a change you're never too old to change you know it's all about growth mindset and it's about wanting to change and all my viewers seem to be of that sort of nature and that's one thing i love about my supporters because you lot motivate me to never get complacent and keep moving but yeah man in relation to this this episode of the dg podcast i can't lie there isn't anything else to really speak about so let me know your opinions of the euros let me know some opinions on videos you want um opinions you want all of those sort of things people you know it's the end it's the off season it's pre-season you lot are helping me as much as that so yeah man check the content make sure you're following on all of the socials especially twitch the Luda guna 187 more importantly than that stay safe stay blessed and you know i'm pretty sure we'll meet again not before too long people dg i'm out god bless